Hello and welcome to The Well Podcast. Find out more at facebook.com forward slash The Well Event. Thanks Joel for leading the meeting there and thank you to The Well Band um, for leading us in worship but you know more than that uh, bringing us face to face with Jesus. Uh, but before I go any further uh, tonight though I really felt something very strongly as we're saying, I speak Jesus. And I really felt that there's somebody here tonight with a deep longing, and a deep longing that there is an answer for, and it, it is to speak Jesus over that. So I wonder, could we just bow our heads and close our eyes right now just for a moment? And whoever you are and whatever that longing is just now, and you know what that is, and you maybe haven't even the words to express it, but in your heart, you're presenting it before the Lord. Can you take a moment now and speak Jesus, even just in your heart, just speak Jesus over that. Let that name that is power and that name that is healing, even in your heart, let it be spoken. Just over that circumstance, over that longing, because Jesus is able. Praise His name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the power that's in your name. Thank you for the beauty that's in your name. Thank you for the comfort that's in your name. Thank you for the safety that's in your name. Thank you that even in this place tonight we've gathered in your name. And so this is not a gathering just of social activity. This is a gathering of so much more. We're praying, O oh God, just now as we come to your word, as your presence is already here, would you move in our hearts and would you open up our hearts to see Jesus all the more and let people's needs be met. And may someone even come to him as Lord and Savior. Thank you that you're a wonderful Savior. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Um, I'm going to read to you from the Bible. It's John chapter 14, verses 1 to 7. These are thoughts that came to me through the week. I had to speak at a funeral. Um, it was the first funeral that I have spoken at. I'm very hopeful that as a youth pastor, I won't have many funerals ever to have to speak at. And I had eight minutes to speak at this funeral, and in typical fashion, I got like a whole message. So I thought I would use the template again this evening and give you, instead of those eight minutes, the, the full 90-minute version uh, this evening. Um, so um, 15, 20 minutes. John chapter 14, verses 1 to 7. Let not your hearts be troubled. You, you know this, don't you, folks? Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. 
How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you'd known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Um, I was asked for the title of my message a couple of days ago for the, for the bulletin for the church, so I give it the title, Don't Worry. I think we live in an age and in a time and in a season where worry is so very prevalent. Uh, in fact, perhaps more than worry, it, it's anxiety. It goes deep into the heart of man and deep into the heart of woman for so many reasons, but because of COVID and because of lockdown, because of the, the global pandemic and because of so much that we see in the news, I think anxiety in the heart of man it has increased. And I think even for the person who is of the most calm demeanor, the temptation to enter into anxiety and to become worried and to become troubled today has become so very, very great. Are you here tonight and you are troubled? I thought it was lovely that message that Pastor Frankie brought to us through the week on Wednesday night. And he mentioned that it was mentioned actually again this morning how Martha had to be spoken to by the Master. Martha, Martha, you are troubled over many things. The Master's having to speak to her to almost snap her out of this way of being that has become who she is. She's become like a busybody. She's troubled over many things. She's anxious over so many things. She thinks that by her great level of activity and all that she does and the busyness that she can put into her life and into her existence, it's going to somehow be a solution to that which causes her to be troubled. And maybe if you are like that, you can relate to the fact that actually it's not a solution. But the more activity you create and the more busy you become, the more troubled you become. And the master steps in to Martha, uh, and he speaks to her, Martha, Martha, calm down. Martha, Martha, there is a solution to this. Martha, this is not the way that I would have you to be. Are you troubled? Um, about 25 years ago, and I, I hate talking like this uh, because it makes me feel dead old, and I'm not dead old. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not. 25 years ago, there was a movie. I loved this movie, and I watched it actually over and over and over again. I wonder, does anyone here remember it? Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It was Kevin Costner, uh, the, the American, trying to act the English Robin Hood. He, he did an okay job. And then you had Alan Rickman acting as the sheriff of, of Nottingham. I thought it was a brilliant movie. Um, the, the theme song was number one in the UK charts for like a record number of weeks. Um, I don't know why. There was a particular scene in the movie that always has stood out to me and always kind of stuck in my head. The sheriff of Nottingham, he's being foiled all the time by Robin Hood. You know, everything he's doing, Robin Hood's getting one over on him at every moment. And so he's back in his castle and he's going daft. You know, he's throwing things, he's smashing things up, he, he's really just wrecking the place. And his uh, evil cohort says to him, you know, in the midst of all this carnage, you know, is there something annoying you? 
<laughs> and I've always remembered that because there's people like that and you can see them and you're thinking, is there something annoying them? Troubled over many things. Have you ever had a day where you just got up on the wrong side of bed? It seems like everything's annoying you and you don't even know why and you've become troubled over many things. I can remember years ago uh, chatting to a fellow who had been working really, really closely alongside a colleague, and they were living in the same digs for a long time, and they were sharing their meals together and working together, so they were in each other's company basically 24-7. And I can remember this guy telling me about his experience, and he said about his colleague, he's so annoying. Even the way he eats his cornflakes in the morning, it's so annoying. This person had got under his skin, but the truth is, when life becomes annoying and everything around you seems to cause you to be vexed, it's really because you have something deep within you that's unsettled and you're troubled deep within yourself. You're not happy. Are you full of toxic emotion? Are you full of trouble? You know, somebody explained life to me once like this, that, you know, there's people in life and they're like uh, garbage trucks, like big dump trucks, and they're going about with all their trouble and all their toxic emotion. And if you just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, they will dump it all upon you. Toxic emotion, trouble, difficulty, stress, strife. Do you know, here the Lord is speaking to His disciples, and He says something really poignant as the events of the cross are drawing nigh, and they don't understand fully what's about to happen, and because of their lack of understanding, and because perhaps even of their carnality, and because of the ways they become used to, they're getting troubled in their spirits because they don't know what's really going on in life. And Jesus says something poignant to them. Let not your heart be troubled. Guard your heart. Guard the very core of your being. Don't let this become who you are. Don't let this be the label that you're going to carry every day in life. Do not let your heart be troubled. And so, if you are troubled in this place tonight, there is a solution. And the solution is found in the words that Jesus spoke to His disciples. There's a peace that comes from Jesus. Later on in this chapter, He said, peace I leave with you, peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Wasn't it Jesus who spoke to the storm? And when the disciples were in a panic and troubled once again, He said to the storm, peace, be still, peace, be muzzled. He speaks with power because peace is something so important to Him and something that He would speak even over you in this very place tonight. Philippians 4 and 7, and you know it well, it speaks about a peace that passes all understanding. That's what guards your heart and guards your mind in Christ Jesus. I, I think there's something in human nature 
It wants to understand everything. We want to be able to put life into these little boxes that make full and complete sense to us. We want to be able to work everything out. We want to be able to have an intellectual assent to all that's happening. In fact, we even take the same approach when it comes to God Himself. And we want to be able to put God in a box. And we want to be able to ascertain all the ways of God and think that we have it all worked out and everything figured out until something happens in life. And it blows it all out of the water. And you're left in a place of bewilderment and confusion because you do not understand. And that's where the answer is the peace that passes understanding. Understanding of it all is not what's promised in the moment, but the peace that passes understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He's going to direct your paths. So Jesus speaks to His disciples, and they're troubled over many things. He says to them, basically, here's the solution to your trouble. Here is the answer. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. You see, it's all about a person called Jesus. Um, a few years ago, uh, Bayless and Harrison Conley from L.A., uh, they came and they spoke at a live Belfast here. Uh, you'll remember it. It was brilliant. Um, but a few years before that, they, they had visited again. Uh, and I actually remember um, showing them around our youth center um, at the time. And I, I was really taken with it, like, because our youth center is incredible. I can remember thinking they were a little bit underwhelmed. And I didn't realize at the time, you know, that they have about three mega buildings on their campus, you know. But Harrison came and he spoke at a men's breakfast. And I'll never really forget what he said at the men's breakfast that morning. He said, I really was trying to prepare for what I was going to say to you. And I could have come to you with, with a message and with maybe seven points or five points. He said, but I have only one thing that was impressed upon my heart. And the one thing I want to speak to you at this breakfast this morning, Jesus, I just want to tell you about Jesus. Believe in God. Believe also in me. There's times when a theory won't work. There's times when a philosophy is going to fail. There's times when a principle will bewilder you. And there's times when the instructions and the rules just aren't going to satisfy or fulfill. And I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I wonder how many of you have tried keeping all the rules? How many of you have tried doing all that's constantly expected and yet still it doesn't satisfy. Actually, in fact, if you want a sure route to a life that's boring, that's exactly what you should try. Keeping all the rules, dotting every I and crossing every T, you see there's something that supersedes it all. It's life-giving. In fact, it's not something, it's someone. There's a person whose name is Jesus, and Jesus will never fail. Jesus will always satisfy. Jesus will always fulfill. Jesus is the author and the giver of life, and we sang it tonight. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. It's in Him that we find life. That's why Jesus said, and we've read it already, 
Actually, I remember Pastor McConnell preaching this, uh, preaching it like nobody else could. Are you looking for your way in life? Are you looking to find truth? Are you looking for life? Well, it's found in a person because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I once met a woman years ago on a, one of the Scottish islands where I was staying and working at a time. And I remember asking her about her testimony, asking her how she'd come to know the Lord. And what she spoke to me was really, really beautiful. She said to me, Stephen, I don't remember a time where I didn't love the Lord. I don't remember a time where I wasn't aware of Jesus. She'd been raised in the atmosphere of Jesus. I can relate to it. I was a child of four years old when I asked Jesus to come into my heart. It wasn't a principle. It wasn't a theory. It wasn't a philosophy. It was a person that I knew, even at four years old, was my closest and dearest friend, and I just believed it. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe in a person who's real, a person who is alive, a person who supersedes everything else. His name is Jesus. There was once two men on a journey, seven miles out of Jerusalem to Emmaus. The road to Emmaus, seven miles long, and a stranger came alongside them, and they were troubled. They didn't understand the events of the crucifixion. They didn't understand how this seemingly promised Messiah had come who would set them free from Roman rule, but now he'd been put to death upon a cross, and they're walking away now from the scene of these events, and they're greatly troubled. And a stranger comes alongside them, and he basically says to them, what's up, guys? And they say to him, are you the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on? And so the, the stranger begins from the prophets to begin to talk to them all things concerning himself because it was the master. And their hearts began to burn within them because now they were in the company and in the presence of the risen Savior, of Jesus who did die upon a cross at Calvary, but Jesus who rose again, and Jesus who lives forevermore, and Jesus who can live within the heart of every person under the sound of my voice right now. It's all about Jesus, and it's Jesus who makes the heart burn so much so that the two men didn't want them ever to leave their company. If you read the Bible, and all you're getting is principles to live by, you're missing the whole point. You need to see Jesus. If you pray, and all you're doing is rhyming off rhetoric, you're missing what Pastor Irwin spoke about this morning, sweet fellowship with Jesus. If you come to church, and all you're able to do is analyze the preacher and analyze the musicality and the production level, you're missing the point. If you enter into eternity, and if you've lived without Christ, you'll die without Christ, and you'll be lost without hope for eternity. But if you live with Christ, 
you'll die with Christ, and you'll be with him forever and ever. Do you know Jesus? So Paul said, oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. You know, just last night in the youth, we had a time of prayer and praise. And as I closed that meeting in prayer last night, I found myself praying, you know, not planned, but it was just what was coming out of me in the moment. And I almost had an image in my mind of what I was praying because I realized that I was praying. I felt the privilege that I was praying the one who was real. And in the moment I prayed, I said, thank you, Lord, that we're not just coming here to a God who's made of stone or a God who's made of wood, coming to one who's beautiful, coming to one who's altogether lovely. We're here in the presence of one who is real and one who's alive and one who is near and one who is imminent, one who is knowable, one who can touch us, one that we can touch in turn. The dynamic of a living relationship with a living, risen Savior. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And my Father's house, I'll give you the King James Version. It kind of sounds a bit nicer here. In my Father's house, there's many mansions. What about that? That's something to look forward to. You know, sometimes when I'm talking to my wife, Diane, I keep her going. I say, you know, when we get to heaven, I'm going to have such an amazing mansion, and, and maybe you'll be allowed to look after my stables, or, or, or maybe you'll be allowed to look after the pool area. Now, I know the truth of it. I'll be lucky if I get looking after her stables in the kingdom, or looking after her pool, but it, if truth be told, I don't even think it's like that. It's like something you can't even really begin to imagine. And in the Greek where it says many mansions, it's the word dwelling place. And he's preparing it for those that love him and those that know Jesus. I really don't know what it's going to be like, but I do know this. It's prepared by him for me because he knows my character. He knows what I like, and he knows that I love him. And because I love him, he's preparing a place for me that's near to him. That's something to look forward to. The world doesn't always or often provide something to look forward to. But Jesus emphasized this. He says, if it wasn't so, I wouldn't even be telling you it. So it's something worth emphasizing. In a world that puts trouble into our hearts, Jesus takes the trouble out and puts in peace and always gives you hope of something to look forward to. God has a plan. My friend Raymond used to say that to me all the time. You know, if ever I was thinking things were going wrong, or maybe I was getting troubled in my spirit, and I was saying, you know, I don't know what to do here. Oh, this is terrible. He always said something that always just flummoxed me. God has a plan. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, there's no arguing with that. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. The plan is for Jesus to return. I think there's something to keep in mind at this point. Jesus didn't just die to get us into heaven. He died to get heaven into us. So all the attributes of heaven in our hearts through Christ living within our hearts, you know, we have joy, 
peace that I'm speaking about, happiness, purpose, and, and kingdom principles become real within you. Uh, things like this, you've heard them from this very platform. There's more to this world than you know. There's only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Jesus will last. This life is a training ground for the life that is to come. And another kingdom principle is this. Jesus is coming soon. You know, last night I had a late night for good reasons. Um, I got chatting to some of the young people just after the, after the service over in the, in the youth center. And um, I don't think we planned uh, to stay so long chatting. But the reason we stayed so long chatting, we were talking about the things of God. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the moving of the Holy Spirit. And conversation moved as conversations tend to do until we started talking about the Lord's return. And this is how real it is to me and how real it was to us. We were wondering, is it going to happen in our lifetime? Some of the young people last night chatting thought maybe they wouldn't see 30. Jesus could come back before they hit 30 years of age. Some of us believed, yeah, this could really happen in our lifetime. And perhaps every generation up till now has believed, yeah, Jesus could come back in my lifetime. And so he could. 1 John 3 and verse 3, it says this, speaking about the Lord's return. Everyone who thus hopes in him, in his return, purifies himself as he is pure. Looking forward to Jesus returning keeps you right. It keeps you living right. It keeps you out of trouble. It keeps you pure. It keeps you ready to receive his peace daily. And it's the perspective in life that is required. So to the person that's troubled, there's peace to be had. It's in the person of Jesus, and believing in Him will bring you to a place that He has prepared. God has a plan. He's performing it. Keep your eyes fixed upon it. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 